Welcome on into the Jazz Talk Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. It's been a while since we've talked. The Jazz are now 10 and 6. That is coming off of being 10 and 3 at one point for a team that was supposed to be near the bottom of the league and tanking. We'll talk about why the Jazz have been this successful throughout the year, why they possibly have had this uh, three-game skid recently, and a look into, look ahead into the future, what lays ahead for this Jazz team. So, <clears throat> the Jazz have lost their last three games. Two of them were on the road in a back-to-back situation. Then they flew back home, had one night off, which that was basically a traveling day, and then played again against the Knicks at home. So they lost against the Wizards, the 76ers, and the New York Knicks. Now, there was one common through line with all three of these games. One player, especially towards the end of the game, was able to go into isolation against this Jazz team and beat them that way. Uh, The other team's defense uh, really... Locked in the last like six minutes of the game in all three of these games, slowed the Jazz way down. And in the first game, it was Christoph Porzingis was able to go off. The second game, Joel Embiid had one of the greatest games stat wise that I've ever seen. I think he ended up with 59 points, I think like 12 boards, eight assists, seven blocks. Um, just an incredible game from him. He was unstoppable and then in the next game against the Knicks his stats weren't as amazing but Jalen Brunson 25 points 8 assists he was just able to get into the spots he needed to be and nobody on the Jazz could really slow him down nobody could stop him from getting where he wanted to get on the court and stop him from having the effect that he wanted to have on the court now this is a problem that the Jazz had with the last team, there's really not that great one-on-one defender. Um, now, against guys like Kristaps and Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert was able to slow them down to the point where they weren't going to have these massive career games, especially like what Embiid had. Uh, but on the perimeter, it was always a problem. There's always a problem going against guys like Jalen Brunson. We saw that in the playoffs last year. Um, Anthony Edwards was always a problem for this team. Um, Eric Gordon uh, was a problem a lot of times. Um, The Jazz, as a team, are a good defensive team. But I think the statting, or the the, uh, scouting report is out that you can still go one-on-one against this team, especially if you can get them in in a... screen and get them switched to the guy that you want them to want to go up against and you can still dominate one-on-one against this team i don't know what will hardy is exactly planning on doing uh to fix this we also have to remember that this is a team that kind of just got thrown together because the main stars from the jazz got traded away um now they've put together a good team they have a lot of talent on this team but there's not the number one scorer guy on the floor. There's not the number one defender guy out there either. Um, now, that being said, I think there's a lot of areas that the Jazz have struggled in, in these last three games that they haven't been struggling in earlier in the year 
Um, and I think if they can get back to how they were playing, they'll be just fine. Um, throughout this whole season, when they've been successful, they've moved the ball really well. They've limited how many times they come up, and the guy bringing the ball up immediately puts up a shot. Or the guy brings the ball up, makes one pass, and they put up a shot. Um, when they've been successful, it's when they've gotten in two, three, four, and even more passes in a possession. Um, so they need to run the offense, get down, get down the floor quick, and move. Get guys moving, get to open three-point shooters. There were multiple times in this last game against the Knicks where Larry Markkinen was wide open in the corner and Jordan Clarkson tried to force something in the middle. Or um, Malik Beasley was open on the wing and you know maybe it was Colin Sexton was trying to force something. Or Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, not to say that those guys haven't been playing great. <clears throat> what I'm saying is when this team has been really good is when the guards are really focusing on taking the opportunities as they come. If an opportunity get, comes to get to the rim and, and beat your guy, then go, go do it. Go dunk it. Go, you know, put up an amazing layup like Horton Tucker and Sexton have been doing all year. But when they're shutting that off, you need to be able to make adjustment, find the open guy. If there's two guys guarding you, there's one. there should be one guy on the team wide open, as long as the spacing is correct. And that's something the Jazz have struggled with the past few games a little bit as well. Is they've, their spacing hasn't been as good as it should be. There haven't been guys sitting in the corners at the three, spacing the floor out to where guys can dribble into the middle and then kick out. Uh, there's been a lot of sitting around in the mid-range or two guys standing in real close proximity together, which makes it to where um, even when somebody does get doubled, it doesn't create that advantage on the outside that like it should. Um, now, luckily, the Jazz are getting, they played Tuesday night. They got yesterday, which is Wednesday off. They got today off as well, and then they play on Friday. So I'm hoping the Jazz get some rest, they get a practice in, and they and that Will Hardy and his staff get the opportunity to look at where the Jazz have been struggling as of late and remedy the situation. Start, you know, showing guys the the bad habits that they're they're falling into, um, and what they need to be doing to fix it. Where their focuses need to be on the floor. Um, defensively, this team is still playing at a very high level. It's just the the one-on-one -on -one isolation ball that they're struggling with. But they haven't been giving up these massive scoring games. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the past few years, the average has been like 115, 117 points per game uh, for NBA teams. And the Jazz have been holding teams under that, that level. Even when they've been losing, the defense as a whole has been doing okay. The problem is this team, they start to get behind and they immediately go, oh, we need to go ISO now. Now it needs to be our turn to, to go one-on-one. -on -one. And that's not this team's strength. They don't have anybody on this roster that can go one-on-one -on -one against the, the other team's defender, 
you know, eight possessions in a row. Um, I think Larry Markkinen is probably the guy that would be the best at doing something like that. But even then, Larry Markkinen works best when you're running the offense and he gets the open three off of a catch and shoot. Or, you know, the defense is spread out so he can catch the ball, um, you know, right there on the left block, about 10 feet out, so he can hit that little fadeaway that he likes to shoot. Um, so that's where this Jazz team needs to start. They need to continue to move the ball well and um, and stay spread out on the offensive end and keep moving the ball. Don't go into isolation too much. You know, isolation can work at times, but if you don't have a Kawhi Leonard, a LeBron James, a Giannis, a Luka, one of these, uh, Joel Embiid, one of these super high-level players, you can't win games going isolation. You can get a few good possessions here and there, but for the most part, you have to rely on the team as a whole uh, to get wins. They're playing this Friday against the Phoenix Suns, so that'll be a tough opponent. After losing three games in a row, you would hope that they would get you know, a team like the Rockets or the Magic or somebody like that where they have a good chance of bouncing back against them. Um, but this Jazz team, have they've shown when they're playing their best basketball, they can beat any team in this league. And when they're not playing great and because they don't have stars, they can lose against any team in this league. It all depends on how well they're playing together, how you know, if they're spreading the ball, they're spreading themselves out, they're playing as a team. They, like I said, they can beat any team in this league when they're playing as a team. Um, so as far as this season as a whole, so we're through 16 games. So we're, to, we're through 20% of the season at this point. Um, it's going quick. Um they're 10 and 6. If they're able to carry this out throughout the rest of the year, they are a 50 win team. Going 10 and 6, if they, you know, you go 10 and 6, you go then you go let's see it'd be 20 and 12. Then you're to 30 and 18, 40 and 24, so we're through 64 games at that point, 50 and 30, that's 80 games. So you have two more games there. So yeah, that's a 50-win team if you're able to stay on a 10-6 and six pace. Do I think that's going to happen? Not really. I said at the very beginning of the season that I thought this Jazz team had too much talent um, to be one of the bottom three teams in this league. I thought they had too much talent to be a 24-win team. I thought that they were... Probably a 35-win, maybe 40-win team uh, coming into the season. And for the most part, that's showing to be true. I think they may get a little over that. They may get to like 42, 43, which would put you into like the play-in situation. Um, but I'm not like the rest of the Jazz fans that I've been listening to. When they were 10-3, and three, it was, oh man, we're going to win a championship with this team, and Will Hardy's going to be coach of the year his rookie season. And, you know, they get way too high, and then we lose three games in a row, and immediately it's, oh, this 
we're tanking again. Now, now we're trying to get Victor Webb and Yana. We're we're gonna be so horrible. We're we're gonna trade away everybody. It's doom and gloom. Um, and I found with Jazz fans, and this may be the same for fans of other fan bases, but Jazz fans like to, for whatever reason, they like to see themselves as the underdog. I think they I think they like to complain. They like to act like the world's against them and no free agent is ever going to sign with the Jazz. Even if we draft a superstar, he's just going to leave this this defeatist attitude of, of you can set low expectations because you're the underdog all the time. Kind of like the modern Republican Party. Not That's neither here nor there, but that's kind of the attitude that a lot of Jazz fans have is um, when we're super successful, a lot of times it's, oh, well, the bottom's going to fall out on this. They're going to start losing. Oh, when we get to the playoffs, it's not going to work. Anytime a, a free agent signs with the Jazz or anytime we sign a good, you know, free agent signs with the Jazz, oh, he's past his prime. We, we draft a good rookie. He's just going to leave. In seven or eight years, he's going to leave us. He's not going to want to stay. It's, this defeatist attitude doesn't help anybody. This whining and acting like the Jazz are never going to have an opportunity because everybody's going to leave us. We're never going to get quite the right guy. We're never going to have quite the right coach, whatever it is. You know, I'm optimistic about this team. Like I said, this team at the beginning of the season was supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league. All the NBA quote-unquote experts were saying that they were supposed to be the very bottom of the NBA. Um, this is a team that's going to be fighting for a play-in spot. You get into that play-in tournament, you win a couple games, and they're a play-in, playoff team. Um, and that's... like. It's not even that hard to imagine this team doing that. Um, them winning 50 games, that's a little harder to imagine. But, like I said, they're on that pace. Um, so going forward, I think this team's in a good position. Now, that being said, Danny Ainge is going to be looking for the future, looking to build a championship team, him and Justin Zanuck. If we get to the trade deadline and players like Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Olynyk, uh, Malik Beasley, um, Rudy Gay, guys that are more veteran type players that have, that have looked good for us at the trade deadline. If teams decide, Hey, we need that guy uh, to help push us into the playoffs and hopefully push for a championship. The jazz are going to get offers on those guys. Um, you know, say a team loses their starting point guard for the year, but they're, or for at least a long extended period of time, and Mike Conley's out there. Well, they might be willing to give up a first-round pick and a good young player to go get Mike Conley. Like, say um, the Heat decide they need more guard help because they've got Kyle Lowry and then Tyler Hero is a shooter. That's basically all they have there. I mean, Gabe Vincent's an okay backup point guard. 
Let's say that they decide they want Mike Conley. Now, I know the Jazz don't want to take on a lot of long-term money, but if the Heat were like, hey, we'll give you Duncan Robinson, you got to take on his contract, but we'll give you first-round pick, and we'll give you Nikola Jovic, who we just drafted, I think Danny Ainge would be like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Danny Ainge is not a sentimental guy. He's not afraid of trading guys, whether the fans love them or not, that he's he's going to do what's best for the team as a whole as far as putting talent around the group. Um, you know, somebody might offer a couple firsts to get Jordan Clarkson. Um, somebody might give us a first-round pick to get Kelly Olynyk. whatever it is. Um, I know Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck are not going to just sit on their hands and go, well, we have a pretty good team. I think we're good right now. We'll just wait until the draft. No, they're going to, they're going to get, sorry. They're going to be constantly looking for opportunities to improve this team, opportunities to improve the future team, I should say. Um, the team this year, I mean, I'm sure they're glad to see this team be 10 and six and be successful and see these young guys that they've taken a chance on getting a lot of playing opportunity and, showing that they can be good players in this league. But at the same time, the goal is to win a championship. Not this year. I mean, that's not going to happen. But in the not-so-far-away future, you know, in the next four, five, six seasons, they want to have a team that can go and compete with every single team in this league and has a realistic chance of winning a championship. Um... As you know, I like I love throwing out trades. So I have another one I'm looking at. This one involves Mike Conley. Um, this is the Jazz getting a first-round pick and getting some more depth at the big man positions to take pressure um, off of guys like Kelly Olenek and Jared Vanderbilt to play a lot of minutes. Um So this trade involves the Mavericks and the Pacers. It would involve sending Rudy Gay and Yudoka Azubuki to the Mavericks and getting back Dwight Powell. We would send Mike Conley to the Pacers and get back TJ McConnell and Daniel Tice. And would get a first-round pick, the Cavaliers' first-round pick, uh, back from the Pacers. So that pick will be somewhere like 25-ish this year. Uh, But for the Jazz, Dwight Powell and Daniel Tice can both play backup center. Uh, I really like what Walker Kessler has done, but it, it never hurts to add more depth. Plus, Dwight Powell is on an expiring contract, so you get off of his money. Daniel Tice can play the four as well and has shown the ability to play very well next to another big. Um, you know, He's 6'9", he's about 250 pounds, he's a big-bodied guy. Very good screen setter, very good offensive rebounder. Um, and then TJ McConnell is a very good backup point guard. One of the best uh, guys at stealing the ball from the point guard position likes to... He does a lot of what Jose Alvarado does with the Pelicans, where teams just aren't paying attention, and he'll slip in and, and steal the inbounds play, or he'll, he'll get an easy steal. When teams just really aren't paying attention, that's when he is his best. And then I think you get into the summer 
you can use TJ McConnell and Daniel Tice. As long as they play well, you can flip them for, you know, second round picks or whatever at that point. Um, but this is mostly just to take pressure off of Kelly Olenek and Jared Vanderbilt that when they have to come out of the game, whether it be foul trouble or just for rest, that the Jazz have more bodies, more big bodies that can take over. Because um, we saw Rudy Gay, you know, had problems with his hamstring. That being said, I don't want to see Rudy Gay play anymore. I don't think he's helping the team. I think Simone Fontecchio can do a much better job. But that being said, when uh, Rudy Gay missed, it was Fontecchio. That was it. If something had happened to, well, actually Kelly Olenek fouled out, and now the Jazz didn't really have another big-bodied option to throw out there towards the end of the game. Uh, we've seen both Vanderbilt and Olenek foul out of multiple games. I think Olenek's fouled out of four, uh, four games now. It would be nice to have more big bodies that can play the center and the power forward that could come in and give the Jazz a few minutes. Uh, but anyway, that's just me throwing out another trade. You know that I'm constantly thinking about that. Um, that's just the way my, my brain works with this team. Um, but with that, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day and go Jazz!